Hello and welcome back guys to episode 5, Mummy Jojo Uncut, Mojo Injection. I'm loading this episode a little bit earlier because I'm off to Croatia to have a well-earned rest. It's been insane launching a podcast and shortly a book, so I think it's time to enjoy my family, be present as much as I can and um, yeah, just have some time out. This episode is so inspirational to listen to. I've absolutely loved it. So Jo Lee is founder of Lure Coaching. She's had quite a lot of press about her resilient nature. Um, She's just such a giving person. She's had quite a tough few years. And the past few weeks we've been exploring the theme of when you get bad news, such as cancer, which is a topic we struggle to talk about. And Jo talks very openly um, about when she had bad news and how she dealt with it. And Jo says that she was actually quite a smug person before on social media and had to become very vulnerable and tell people how scared she was and how she needed them. And the thing is, people care, they want to care, and we feel a lift when we get support. We talk about a lot of things today. Why God? I mean, a lot of people don't believe in God. Is that cultural expectations of the church? fascinating discussions there and Christian mindfulness if you do have a faith in God the universe um, we speak a lot about social media this was requested Joe has a great group to support teenagers parents of teenagers for social media so tune in for tips on that perfect mum and just how we build each other up I love her quote Jesus is wilder than people give him credit for that's brilliant she's also challenged me am I an introvert I think I might be after that chat. Um, Yeah, loads and loads of great um, words and themes in this episode. So I really hope you enjoy it. You can rate every week, guys. So if you're an avid fan, please rate us every week so that more people can find us. I appreciate every message, every single comment. They are all being read eventually. And I'm just so thankful to you all for the support. Um, I'm glad you're enjoying it. So here we go, Joe Lee from Valour Coaching. And I'd also like to say, when people say they can't sing, that's normally when I say, well, all the more reason to sing two songs because you probably don't sing enough. I don't care how you sound here, all right? Just sing. It releases so many happy hormones. It's free, you know, crank the tunes. This is not about sounding amazing it's about getting your mojo back loving life and actually there'll be a few episodes coming up where people have said i can't sing there's no way i'm singing and they ended up singing so i'm delighted about that i'm calling that the mojo injection so here she is welcome thank you so nice to have you here you have been such an inspiration to me this year you really have oh thank you honestly I really mean that and all you've been through and your attitude um you're just such a great person to know so thank thank you you. for being here (laughs) um so yeah you had a rocky time 2014 you had the news you had cancer yeah see it coming and you actually said to me you know people say it's not going to be me it's never going to be me and it was and you had to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, totally out of blue, I thought I had a virus. Yeah. And so when we sat down to speak with the registrar and she gave me some scan results, mm. I mean, I think I said to you, my husband, he's really into DIY, the blind in the little room was broken. So he was stood up on a table trying to fix the blind. Yeah. And we just really didn't think that there was anything we needed to worry about. It was two days before we went on holiday. We popped in to get these scan results. They talked about lymphoma, but we didn't really know what that meant. Mm -hmm. And so when she sat down and said, well, we need to discuss the tumours in your spleen, Mm -hmm. my first response was to stop her and say, I'm just so sorry because you've actually got someone else's results here. (sighs) I'm not here about cancer. And she was like, no, Mrs. Lee, these are your results. So, yeah, total bolt out of the blue. And you decided you had this, was it two or three week holiday booked? Yeah, we had a three-week holiday booked on the west coast of Scotland. We go every year with a crowd of other families. We sail and, you know, it's caravan life. And 
we asked what do we do about the holiday and they said well go and then when you get back that's when we have to focus and I was saying to you you know were you able to go but you said it gave you the chance to say have time to reflect and accept and say this is how we're going to do cancer I love the way you said that you were just you're on a mission right we yeah we've got work to do yeah I mean a lot of people say oh my goodness, you are so brave. But I think bravery is when you choose a hard thing. Yeah, you didn't choose that. We had a hard thing happening to us. But what we did get was the space to choose how we would do cancer rather than how cancer would kind of do us in a sense. Yeah. And I think it gave my kids chance to see that man could have cancer and still be normal. Yeah, because it doesn't... This comes up a lot with people whether it's cancer or addiction or, mm. or something horrible, depression, it doesn't have to define you. Yeah. I mean, even now, I think I look back and say I had cancer, but it feels a little bit surreal. And I watched a TED Talk right in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And it said, you know, you... And it was a cancer survivor who gave the talk. And what she was saying is, you get to choose your identity. Yeah. And your identity is not your illness. Yeah. And she was like, so choose who you are. Choose to be a wife, a mum, a coach, a friend, a daughter who's going through cancer. Yeah. But don't be a cancer sufferer. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, a cancer journey is so personal to everyone who goes through it. But I think for me that really kind of struck me to go, okay, this is a trauma that we're having to enduring, but we are not that trauma. Yeah. Because you had two summers of chemo, right? And I remember you saying yeah. to me, you didn't want ice in your drink because it reminds you of that hor- horrible period when you, could, you had to have ice cubes in your mouth. Oh, yeah, that was um, just, I had, so the, the back story to the cancer is 2014, got my diagnosis and it was stage two, stage three at that time. So I had six cycles of chemo, mm-hmm. thought it was in remission. Yeah. But I didn't really recover quite as quickly as they'd anticipated. So that was 2015. But by the end of 2015, I was in quite a lot of discomfort again. Uh-huh. Another set of scans. The cancer was back, but it was actually into my bones this time. Right. So it was stage four. And um, and they give that, is it 40%? Yeah, there's not a stage five. Yeah. Oh. So, um, yeah, so then that was really full-on chemo. And then they harvest my stem cells, so it's kind of like a modern-day bone marrow okay. transplant. Uh-huh. And then cancer, um, chemotherapy, sorry, to wipe everything out. Uh-huh. So, I mean, literally everything, knock your immune system out, and then give you your stem cells back. Okay. And then they reseed your whole system and you grow a new immune system. Yeah. But one of the chemotherapies just before the transplant, it's half an hour long, the infusion, like oh. the but you have to sit with ice in your mouth oh, for that whole time because it destroys the GI tract. Okay. And if you've got ice in, it protects the cells from being damaged, so your uh-huh. mouth isn't stripped away. So can you have ice to this day, or is it totally not I'd, true? I'd prefer not to. Yeah. <laughs> so if you but, ever meet Joe, don't give her ice in her drink, guys. But okay? Gin and tonics work better with ice, in, so I make the odd concession. <laughs> Quite right. And, <laughs> and, and we speak a lot. I mean, your attitude has been amazing. And uh, such. It, it must be so hard. You don't have a choice when you, when you get cancer. Mm. And it pulls you back from things you want to do because your body needs to recover. Yeah. And you're such a giving person, such mm. a hands-on mom and friend and wife. And yeah. You didn't have a choice. You had yeah. to let your body have that time. And you were saying, you know, the team at the Western were amazing. And oh, yeah. You had so much support from friends. Yeah. Um, and you actually went onto social media and said, look, we need support. We need prayers. Yeah. We need positive messages. Yeah. We're struggling. Mm. And I think that's amazing that you, because you felt a lift after that. Oh, massively. I think, I think we had a real choice. You know, when we got the diagnosis, and actually when I look back and I look at my social media before the cancer, mm-hmm. I think my friends were really gracious to still be my friends because I think I was a bit smug. It was like, oh, I've had a busy week and I've done this, this, this and this, oh, and I'll just have a glass of wine now. But I managed. Yeah. And actually I had a choice to be like, oh, yeah, cancer, no big deal, or to say, actually, guys, I'm going to make myself vulnerable here and I'm going to tell you that I am quite scared and... 
we are struggling and we do need help. Mm-hmm. And actually what I realised is that's completely transformative mm-hmm. because relationships are two-way. Yeah. You know, you can't always be the giver and it's not healthy to always be the, the consumer either. Yeah. But to allow people in and to allow people to help. And people were just amazing. You know, I mean, we would give a shout out for prayer when things were really tough. If I was being rushed into hospital or I had a fever or something was going on with the kids, because it's hard as your mum. You know, my kids were going through exams and I'm a care of my oldest girl who has ME. So there was just some things I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. And so it, I just kind of gathered my village. Yeah. And then what we realised is people really want to care. Oh, they do. But you need to give them an opportunity you to have care. To. So actually, I was in hospital for a month mm-hmm. for the transplant, mm-hmm. and I found this brilliant thing. It's called Meal Train. Okay. And people can sign up, and it's kind of like they keep the train running with meals. Wow. So people were turning up at our house every day for a month, bringing food for, you know, my husband and my girls. That's amazing. You know, and and yeah, I mean. What I think now is I can't pay back all the people who did that, but I can pay it forward mm-hmm. to the next person That's that needs sense. it. But yeah, we were we could feel the lift. Uh-huh. We would put a shout out and say, we really need prayer, we're struggling, things are unravelling. And without even people communicating back that they were praying, mm-hmm. we would feel a lift and only hear afterwards that they'd sort of stopped what they were doing and lifted us up or sent positive message positive vibe our way or mm-hmm. and so, it's just yeah. so important in, in times like this to to not struggle alone yeah and to be open but we have to remember you were saying your one of your daughters didn't want to talk about it and yeah. you had to accept that so if someone asked yeah. her on the street how is your mum even if you yeah. were in a really critical yeah you know in hospital or something she would say it's fine yeah and I guess yeah. that's hard because some people naturally find it hard to open yeah. up I think, yeah, I think it's one of those things where you kind of had to respect everybody's part in the journey. Uh She just didn't want to open up. And we live in quite a small town, Mm -hmm. and because of our involvement in community stuff there, most people know us. Mm -hmm. So it's about being smart about who you make yourself vulnerable to, and it's allowing everybody the freedom to walk through something that's really difficult Mm -hmm. in whatever way works for them it's there's not a right or a wrong way Mm -hmm. to deal with cancer I think yeah it's I'd say there's healthier ways to be able to talk about it to be able to share to be able to find a community to support you but but yeah I mean that was her way of of dealing with it yeah and it's hard and we need to yeah just uh, I mean it's a it's a transition and it's a transition that you know we all go through them but with cancer it's not a choice yeah and to try and grow and change through that because you are going to grow through that as a family yeah and yeah it just kind of blows my mind how positive you've all been and it's so inspiring for people Um, and we spoke about what friends can do and how they can reach out and I think you'd said it, it's not good if they say oh I'm so scared or put the fear mm. you said something about a ring or a circle yeah yeah one of the things that was really helpful for us it's called the ring theory mm-hmm. and so if you imagine I was kind of right in the middle mm-hmm. and there's kind of like broad, wider and wider rings going out from me yeah so in the next ring around me would be kind of my husband yeah. and my daughters mm-hmm. And then my parents, yeah. my in-laws, mm-hmm. our, you know, our um, brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And the idea being that you give care in the way, okay. but any fears and concerns you've got, you take out the way. Right, that's clever. So that people weren't coming to us and saying, I feel so unsettled. I mean, you getting cancer, oh my goodness. I mean, it's just made me question my whole mortality. And I'm thinking, you're questioning your mortality, <laughs> you know? But equally, I want people to have someone to speak to. I just wasn't necessarily their person. Yeah. So if you go out the way, uh-huh. that's, you know, and, and now I hear my mum say, for example, that her friend network just totally gathered round her wow. and scooped her up. She must have been. Yeah, but at the time, nice. all she would say is, you can do this, it's uh-huh. going to be she great, we you. just keep going, this uh-huh. is brilliant, you've uh-huh. got this. Yeah. But then actually, she had friends who were feeding her and my dad and looking after them and caring for them 
But she wasn't saying to me, oh, I'm terrified you've got chemotherapy next week. How will you be? But that's, she was saying that to her friends. Mm-hmm. And that's the principle. It's kind of like put care in the way and put your concerns out the way. Yeah, I love that. I think that's I think that's really going to be useful for people, whether it's I cancer think, well, or depression or with, yeah. Um, because I know when Dad was at his worst, it was a really tough time, and sometimes I didn't want to speak about it, and then yeah. people would say, oh, "I'm so." It's hard. We need that yeah. support and, and people to talk to yeah. and and normalize these these mm. feelings. And the thing I love about you is, and it was probably hard because you've got such a passion for people and you're yeah. such a carer. Yeah. And you're a bit like Mother Earth. And <laughs> I can see you being like, well, obviously you're a coach, yeah. and a, a phenomenal coach at that. But um, I can see you being like an agony aunt or something, yeah. sort of someone that I would call and say, ah, oh, help me. Yeah. You're just such a good listener. And you help a lot of mums out there. I think mm. motherhood is... It's a tough journey, and sometimes you know you're, it's not all rainbows and unicorns, but it's a phenomenal journey. Yeah. And there's different stages. I think for you, you've got teenagers at the moment, and yeah. you've set up this great group. And someone I've had a few requests actually yeah. to cover social media for teenagers because yeah, I've got young kids, and we'll talk about that in a sec. And caring for young kids and cutting yourself some slack, mm. but I'm terrified when you know with social media. Yeah. So you've set up this group to help people with technology? Yeah, yeah. So it's a Facebook group, and it's it's called Connected Parenting mm-hmm. in a Sea of Screens. Okay. And the premise of it is, I guess, partly born out of my own experience and partly born out of the fact that I think parents are worried mm-hmm. and they are scared because we haven't grown up with this level of technology. No. So... And our kids are the first generation mm-hmm. to grow up completely immersed in a world of technology. And that will continue. It's not a phase. They will live in a very technological world. Yeah. But we don't really have a frame of reference for that. Yeah. And sometimes things that we don't have a frame of reference for kind of scare us okay. and overwhelm us. Yeah. So part of it is a little bit of kind of education, how to get a wee bit more savvy. But... The main thing that I find is technology is just going to be one of the challenges yeah. that your kids face. Mm-hmm. There's going to be relationship issues. We've had our fair share of boyfriend dramas, mm-hmm. and which I can't talk about because they're not my stories. That's the thing about teenagers. You can't, yeah. can't spice it up with anecdotes mm-hmm. because then you'll get around when you get home. Mm-hmm. But we've had all of that sort of friendship dramas. Mm-hmm. All these uh, Technology is bigger because we don't understand it. But I think what I find is if you can stay connected to your kids and if you're not afraid of the hard conversations yeah. and and boundaries, okay, then then I think you get through it. Yeah. You know, we we had our own techniques. You know, we had you know, we had to be able to have passwords till they were sixteen so I could access all of their accounts. Good. I could pick up their phone at any point and check under 16 and check things and actually what I found was because they knew that I could do that I didn't need to do it that often that's so you because you want there. to give them privacy yeah but I think for me the biggest challenge with technology is it gives children independence at an age that they're not quite able to cope with that independence yes because technically you know if you were following the legal guidelines Facebook and Instagram it's 13 is that yeah but at 13 a child's still not really fully emotionally mature enough to cope with everything they might see on there do you know something because I've found out recently I've got quite a lot of teenage followers they're written to me on Instagram saying we love your stories and I Mm. thought oh my days what a responsibility to be encouraging because I, the way I see it is with mental wellness, it impacts all ages, all genders. Yeah. Anyone can tune into my stuff. Yeah. But what a tremendous, you know, one of my most read posts is, mm. and I think it's probably a lot of teenagers, why people don't like your Facebook posts. Because yeah. some would get high on the, they've not got the emotions to mm. understand yet. I mean, I would put a post out and if I don't get many likes, it really wouldn't mm. bother me now, but that's just mm. practice. I'm just like, people don't have to like it. Yeah. I'm, I don't take offence. Yeah. Whereas if I was 13 or 14, mm. I probably would. Yeah. I'm trying to remember back. And mm. um, I'm really trying to build up a positive 
experience and, and encourage teenagers it's fine yeah not everyone is going to like yeah. your post and please don't sit crying in your room because you've only had five yeah. likes on instagram or that yeah. picture that's yeah. just terrifying i think i mean we, we've walked through that you know this picture got so many likes and and we've had to navigate what gets likes yeah. and what do you want to be liked for yeah because yeah for sure if you put up a very provocative pose mm-hmm. or you know, often it's been my friend's got so many more followers than me, oh. but then perhaps that feed is a little bit more sexualized. Okay. And you think, well, what is it they're liking? Mm-hmm. And and that's a challenge because, you know, we all want to be liked. And especially, I guess this comes back to the, the age relative to your emotional maturity. Yeah. As a teenager, you're actually really quite out of control emotionally. Yes. You know, I, I read a study somewhere that said that actually there's not much difference between the MRI scan of a psychopath and a teenager. Really? But it's <laughs> just, fantastic. But it's just because their their brain is developing, uh-huh. their worldview is developing, and suddenly independence is not a theory, it's about to become a reality. And yeah. so they can see it on the horizon. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes social media gives it to them sooner than they can cope with, you know. My daughter wanted to drive from the age of 15. I didn't give her the car keys. Yeah. You know, and I think sometimes Facebook and Instagram, Snapchat, things like that, it's the tech equivalent of giving them the car keys before they've learned the basics. So even things like what do you want to be known for, what do you want to be liked for, review and friend lists, Mm -hmm. do you know this person in real life? Yes. Is this something that you would say to their face? Yes. Is that... Because some of the things kids say, I mean, I think, and we'll talk about faith in, mm. in a minute, I think being raised in the Christian church, I, I don't go to church at the moment, mm. um, and we'll talk about that, but I feel that was a, a lifeline for me in a sense, mm. because I was following, you know, the Bible, and mm. um, I was quite a goody-goody teenager, I was yeah. head girl at school, I was... I wouldn't say I was a geek, maybe mm. a little bit, depends on your definition of that, but I would... Yeah. Um, I was just quite straight laced yeah. and didn't drink too much. I knew how to have a good time, but yeah. I wasn't like throwing up everywhere. Yeah. I could maybe have a Malibu at the little parties and stuff. <laughs> but you know, I was if I was my parents, I'd be quite happy. You yeah. didn't have to worry about me. Maybe yeah. the anxiety came into that too. You know, I wouldn't put myself out there. Oh. I would get a lift and I wouldn't walk oh. in dark lanes and I would wear the mini skirts and yeah. stuff. But yeah, I feel it's it's tricky and, and having those guidelines there, but I think that certainly helped me. Mm. Um, so I, I mean, follow so your page. Give that a shout out again. It's um, oh yeah, so Valor Coaching. Uh, and, oh yeah, and the, the, the group. Screen, yeah. Oh yeah, so it's connected parenting in, in a sea of screens. screens. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. I'm definitely going to tune yeah. into that. And because I think the challenge is, we've also got to acknowledge as parents that our kids being teenagers and growing up is hard for us as well. Yeah. Because we're having to let them go. Yeah. And I I remember the the biggest thing that really helped me was I'd always felt like my job as a parent was to protect my kids Mm -hmm. and to protect them from the evils of the world. And if I could just keep them safe Uh and I could teach them how to keep themselves safe, Uh then everything would be okay. But I actually always been completely motivated by fear. Uh And I remember reading a book, and I I didn't read very many parenting books at all. I just basically winged it. Mm -hmm. We all do. We all win it. Yeah, but I read this book, and it said, really, your responsibility as a parent, even from you know, very, very young, is to prepare your children for freedom. Ah, it's so important. Yeah. It's so important. And obviously that happens incrementally from them being toddlers to nursery age, but in the teenage years it feels particularly pressing because you know that freedom is going to be complete independence and autonomy from you as a parent. Yeah. And in a sense, if you've done your job well, they'll want to spread their wings. Yes. But we have to be honest about the pain and the grief that there'll be for us as parents in that as well. Yeah. And I think it's it's being honest that sometimes our fears are a little bit about wanting to keep control still. Hold on to them. Yeah. And, and, and we need to... And as well, I think about when they're learning their values, and I know we talk a lot about finding your authentic self, and that's mm. something you want to really 
who interview people. And yeah. The book we, we discussed, Shame by um, Andrew yeah. Hope and yeah. we are created to shame. Yeah. Um, and there's so many things that stop us. And it's finding out and encouraging your kids to find out what makes them come alive and, and, and their values and, and bouncing back from things. It's just, as parents, we kind of have to accept that yeah. process, don't we? It's, yeah. It's a tricky one. And I think, you know, if, if we look back on our most powerful learning experiences mm -hmm. it would be when we completely blew it yes we don't really learn very much from our successes yeah we just basically go oh yeah i knew how to do that see told you yeah but actually it's when we completely blew it <laughs> yeah. it's when we weren't the friend that we thought we would be it's uh -huh. you know as a teenager it's when you blew your curfew yeah it's when you didn't live up to what you said you were going to do and they're really powerful learning yeah. experiences but often as a nurturer, you want to protect your children from failure. Yeah. But actually, they need to fail. Oh, yeah. You and need to, you need to watch them fail. Yeah. And, and it, it's hard. It's it's really hard. Mm. Like I I think of sobbing my eyes out and mm. my mom and dad having to see me, let a guy treat me like yeah. dirt because mm. I was immature and mm. didn't didn't value myself yeah. enough. Um, didn't really know my values yeah. yet and what I was prepared to, to stand yeah. for. Um, and I, it's also when they do blow it, mm -hmm. instead of going, okay, I'll just sort that out. Yes. Saying, so how are you going to fix it? Yes. Let me know if I can help. Yes. Now, obviously, that's age appropriate. Uh -huh. You know, you might not ask your four-year-old if they just can't spill a cup of milk. Yeah. But if your teenager totally blows it, it's okay to say... How, how are you going to fix that? Yeah, that's good. And that's we, the learning. And that's well, the yeah, because, because the reality is the world doesn't fix our mistakes for yeah, us. We have to do it. Yeah. We have to do it. Now, I want to speak to you about faith, and I want to speak to you about culture oh. and, and, and judgment, because oh, I just think you're such a warm, lovely person, right? You're a Christian, but you yeah. don't put your belief, like, hardcore on people. Obviously, your faith and the prayer, that that really got you through and, and it's an amazing thing but I did a poll yesterday after getting some feedback about episode two of the podcast and we spoke about signs from the universe and someone said I thought you believed in God and that's terrible you're speaking about the universe because that means there's no God and I said I didn't say that I just said yeah. some people believe in just the universe some people believe in just God um, you actually really enjoyed the podcast as a Christian mm. so I thought that was amazing yeah um, but this is what I struggle with, okay? So I think the church is a great place. I loved growing up in the church. It probably you know, was quite good for my morals. Mm. Um, and the Bible does make a lot of sense, okay? But I mm. do think there's a culture thing where the reason I stopped going is because I felt a bit hypocritical, okay? Mm. Um, there were certain things I struggled with and we've spoken about hell. I believe mm. hell exists on this earth and it's evil. Um, and I think it's a very personal thing and I think there is this culture some people just go to church just to be seen to go mm. to church and some people and there can be a bit bitchiness in yeah. church and, and judgment and I've seen both sides yeah. and there's both sides everywhere but yeah. as a church core and someone with faith why do you think the stat because the stat about who believes in God it was, was it 70% said they didn't believe mm. in God do you think it's out it's not cool to believe in God anymore. Um, what's going on there? I think we live in a culture now that tells us we need to be very self-reliant, mm -hmm. that we can make it for ourselves, mm -hmm. that we control our own truth, we decide what's right and what's wrong. And I think the idea of God just probably to a lot of people feels really outdated. Okay. And I think you're right. I think the church is phenomenal. I mean, I love church. I mean, you saw the royal wedding. Yeah. And even if 70% of my followers at the moment, well, well that was just one Instagram yeah. post, don't believe in God. You saw everyone tweeting about that, that yeah. minister, do you know his name, the American pastor oh, guy? Um, Michael Curry. He's Michael Curry. phenomenal. And, yeah. and, I, and I, that sort of talk makes me want mm. to go back to church. Yeah. That was powerful. That mm. wasn't preaching in a judgmental kind of you're mm. going to burn in hell way. It was a yeah. love and all the things the Bible's about. Yeah. And I think, and I think it's coming back to what are people's cultural expectations. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I, I love the church that I go to. It's, it's just such a community of people who love each other. Amazing. They love God and they love each other and they love their neighbour. Okay. And to me, that's what we're mandated to do mm-hmm. as Christians. Yeah. You know, it says love God with all your heart, with all your mind and with all your strength mm-hmm. and love your neighbour as you love yourself. Yeah. Now, to me, love is not judgment. Yes. Judge I'm not more, sure how less live more is what I say. Yeah, I'm not sure how well you're loving someone if you're passing judgment over them because you're kind of almost deeming whether they're acceptable to yeah. be loved or not. Yeah. Whereas for me, my personal faith is rooted in my relationship with God. Yeah. And I'm completely convinced God is real. Mm-hmm. I'm completely convinced that Jesus did die on the cross and he was raised again and that that makes a relationship with God possible for me. And that's so real to you. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. It's completely real to me. And I think, but it's also based on experience. It's not based on what I should believe. Yeah. I mean, I had, I've had lots of experiences where I've seen answers to prayer that just couldn't have been answered. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no sort of physical way that something could be resolved yeah. or that there could be breakthrough. And I think one of the most powerful moments for me was I had my transplant. Mm-hmm. And as can happen, because they wipe your immune system out completely, mm-hmm. I had picked up an infection. Mm-hmm. So I was running a fever. I had no blood cells at all. So I was literally cycling from an IV bag for antibiotics to platelets to red blood cells back to antibiotics. And this went on for about two or three days. Mm-hmm. And... That's that's everything they can do. I mean, the staff at the Western, I mean, there aren't enough good words for them. They are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And the nurses were calm and they were encouraging. And I remember lying in my room on my bed mm-hmm. with these IVs rigged up. It was going in through my neck. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, there's actually nothing I can do yeah. right now to save my life. Wow. And I'm quite self-reliant. Yeah. So that's a real shocker to be there and be completely at the mercy. And I thought, I've got to relinquish mm-hmm. control because I can't make this body get better. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was a really emotional moment. I was on my own in this tiny little isolation room, rigged up to all these machines that would be thing I had enough. I was compass enough to know that it was a bit of a dicey situation. Yeah. And I just remember the room being completely flooded with peace. Wow. And just completely flooded with an assurance mm-hmm. that it's going to be okay. That's amazing. You're not done yet. That's amazing. And, and that, to me, I can hand on heart say without any question of doubt, that was God. Yeah. And the thing is, though, some people that don't believe in God will be tuning in and they'll see that mm. as the power of the universe. It's, mm. it's a very powerful thing. Mm. But I, I understand because yeah. I've, I've seen that. I've grown yeah. up in the church. I still, I don't, I don't go to church yeah. every week. I still yeah. have my faith. When I celebrate Christmas and mm. Easter, I know what it's about. Yeah. Okay, I, I can sing all holy night mm. and I have tears in my eyes yeah. as I think oh, this is powerful. Yeah. I get it. I've, yeah. I've seen it. Um. But it's, I think in ways why these stats are so low is perhaps the cultural side yeah. of things. And the other thing is, it's the perception, I think, that Christians are quite judgy. Exactly. Because I actually don't mind if somebody wants to say, oh, well, that was the universe speaking to you, mm-hmm. because that's their perception of the situation. And I'm not being patronising by saying that. I'm just saying I'm not offended Mm-hmm. I know for me mm-hmm. that was a that kind was of a heaven's kiss. That uh-huh. was God saying, uh-huh. I'm on your side, babe. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But I have no expectation that someone who doesn't believe in God would believe what I believe or live according to how I choose to live. And I think that's where my husband struggles because he prays twice a day, but he doesn't really, mm-hmm. he wouldn't say it was Jesus or God or. Uh, I, I don't know, he, he doesn't mm. really know, but in his head he believes there's something yeah. out there um, and he doesn't like the judgmental, mm. oh, oh we feel mm. sorry for you and it, it's such a personal yeah. thing. Um, it's absolutely a personal thing. I mean, I think what I loved about your podcast was the acknowledgement that there is a spiritual world. A hundred percent. I think we can become so fixated in the physical world that we live in and the present mm-hmm. 
and the, the getting of stuff and materialism and consumerism mm -hmm. that we feel like this is it. Yeah. And I think if we stop and we acknowledge that actually there is a spiritual dimension yeah. to life, then I think that gives freedom to people to start and question, well, what is, what does that mean then? What, what do I mean? believe? And so I think even in opening up the conversation, yeah. and you know, I'm sure there'll be people listening today who are going, oh, I don't believe a word she's saying. That's completely their prerogative. But I would just say stop and think that perhaps there could be more to life than what we physically see. Yeah. I mean, there's a thing, because I would, I'm so big on mindfulness, I talk mm. about it, I practice it, and I was saying, can I still have my faith and be doing mindfulness? But there's a huge thing called Christian mindfulness mm -hmm. now. And, um, yeah, it's a big thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think the tenet of mindfulness is about building resilience, mm -hmm. being present, in the moment mm -hmm. and acknowledging the moment, mm -hmm. being grateful for what you have yeah. and learning how to deal with anxiety and stress and build resilience. Mm -hmm. Now I would say that none of that to me is in conflict mm -hmm. with my Christian faith. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I know people have issues that mindfulness is rooted in Eastern religions, but mm -hmm. so is yoga. I don't have an issue with people doing yoga. I think it's about what's your heart attitude to it? Uh -huh. Because what you're doing on the outside, you know, it's like we spoke about, there's cultural Christianity, which is like doing the right thing and being seen to do the right thing. Yeah. But where's, where's, your, where's your heart at? Where's yeah. your heart relationship with God? You know, I can stop for a moment and luck around the world that I'm in and be grateful for the sights and the smells and the sounds. Mm -hmm. Now my gratitude would be directed towards a creator. Okay. But I see no conflict with stopping and being grateful for the world I'm in. Yeah. No matter what you believe, whatever how you got I believe. Here. Yeah. There's definitely something, whether you believe it's the universe or God, the world's an amazing place. Yeah. But there's no, no denying there's hell on earth at the moment yeah. and that's evil. And that's why I want this to be a place where people can come and not feel judged and can see whatever the heck they want. Yeah. Well, for some reason. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I, I get the faith, you know, my dad is one of my heroes. I'm my mum, right? My dad lost his eyesight when he was 19. My mum mm. stuck through him. And I believe his faith has got him through that horrendous situation mm. and my mom and that's they're so positive they're such nice people whether or not you believe i think that you were speaking about the 10 commandments there's something mm. in that i mean it's a no-brainer don't kill uh, well actually if you look at most of you know law in whatever country a lot of it's based on the 10 commandments yeah. you know do not kill do not steal mm -hmm. do not commit adultery do not cover mm -hmm. do, you know, and then you, you know, if you look through Proverbs, for example, mm -hmm. a lot of the phrases that we band about as we sayings are actually based in there. Yeah. You know, and then to love one another, it's, in one sense, it's universal, but in one sense, it's the, you know, it is the tenet of the Christian faith. Do you know what I find, though, at my, at our wedding, it was yeah. so different, because obviously, I mean, brought up in the church and stuff yeah. but it was we had John Lennon so we yeah. had the Bible so we yeah. had Jesus who's an yeah. absolute legend we had uh, Bill Withers and um we sang that but we yeah. also sang Be Thou My Vision yeah. and uh, oh lord my god when oh, we I had that one as well yeah. yeah and there was people there that were choked with tears because mm. of the power of that song yeah but I think judgmental people would be saying, why are you having that in the church as well and I was like it's okay to like to, to like both oh, but, yeah. but I do think the bible's perhaps my dad gave me a copy again recently mm. and I was like, look I'm not going to church every week but it's a phenomenal book yeah. I still have my faith I think it needs more mm. credit definitely yeah. I but I yeah. but that doesn't mean that you can but you know what at the heart of Christianity is following Jesus mm -hmm. and following Jesus' teachings. And Jesus said, you know, I came to save the sick, not the well. Jesus hung out with tax collectors, with prostitutes, with... Do you know what I mean? He wasn't sort of living this really devout religious life. Mm -hmm. I think he was a bit wilder than most people give him credit for. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of things that we think might offend God. Mm -hmm. And I think God's just going, not even on my radar. 
Do you know, it's, it's hard though, because when I prayed to God in the past, I had this picture of Jesus in the white thing, mm. and, he's, and, he, and people would say, but Jesus isn't white, he would be black. Yeah, and he's he, a Middle Eastern guy, he's probably, you know, I mean, he was born in, you know, Palestine, so... Yeah, well, he's, not, he's not the Robert Powell of Jesus Christ Superstar. He probably didn't have blue eyes and fair skin. But see, that's what wasted, that's sort of yeah. what my head. And and now I don't know if, if you pray or if you meditate or force or whatever, mm. guys, I'd be really interested to hear what you see in your mind or if, if you even... Cause mm. Some people think in pictures and some yeah. people don't. Yeah. I think I must think Yeah, in my pictures. husband thinks in pictures and mm-hmm. he, has, he has a whole imagery uh-huh. that is his way of sort of connecting with God's which is completely different, but it works for him. It's personal. Yeah. And the thing is, I guess I've been meditating all my life because I was brought up in yeah. prayer. Um, right, you've encouraged me to pray more. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just love how vulnerable you are. I love how, you know, you're helping mums. You've helped me. You give me so much advice, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you were saying the perfect mum. There's a whole chapter in my book about perfect mum, which I adapted from one of my blogs that went yeah. semi-viral last was it last year or the year before. Everyone has these voices. I'm not yeah. doing enough. I'm working too hard this week. I'm doing this, and sometimes I'm like this needy mum, and I'm like, Bonnie, do you love me? She's mm. like, Of course. And I'm like, yeah. I'm sorry if I've worked a bit this much, but I love you. Why do you love me? And she's yeah. like, Well, you feed me. You take me to school. Yeah. You great dancing and singing yeah. she doesn't say oh you didn't play with me you didn't yeah. spend longer on my homework you didn't bake with me you didn't take me to enough classes yeah we all feel these thoughts yeah. and you really encourage people to not beat themselves up yeah I think I think for me as much as the moment your child was born they became your child you also became their parent mm-hmm. and so you're a good fit yeah And however a family is created, you know, whether it's biologically, fostering, adopting, I think it becomes a great fit. Mm -hmm. And it's having the confidence that you are the right parent for your children. So if you choose to stay at home, if you choose to work, if you choose to do a blend of both, Mm -hmm. it's fine. You find your way of making it work. And the perfect mum doesn't actually exist. I think this trouble is when we compare. So I assumed I would be like my mum. I was desperate to have kids and yeah. I, I make a joke and I even um, talk about this in the book lying with my legs in the air and the sticks and <laughs> made sure poor Scott um, he, didn't, he didn't stand a chance and um, I had this vision I was going to be like my mum so yeah. she gave up teaching for 15 years yeah. that would be me and uh, it wasn't I, I loved it at the start and then I thought oh no I, I want to yeah. be writing start writing again yeah. the blog just happened organically and then it became mental health and yeah. dad got sick and um, it's been an amazing ride but I am not my mum I don't have to be yeah. my mum was phenomenal but that doesn't mean that yeah. I'm not great yeah. too she could bake and she did more yeah. from scratch and she was probably a better housewife I can't do it all I'm not invincible yeah. my mother-in-law tells me yeah. I could do a bit more cleaning but I mean I just told her I'm not as good as her <laughs> cleaning <laughs> is quite overrated yeah. <laughs> less dreaming more cleaning yeah. she would say and I, I would certainly say the opposite but but that's fine because we're all different we don't have to be the same guys yeah. and, and you're not raising yourself and your two brothers yes so you need to be the mum that your kids need mm-hmm. and who you were you know you're only 50% your mum yeah 50% your dad and then all that gets jumbled up and out comes Jojo you know yeah. so so you have to find what suits with who you are mm-hmm. and I think that's the biggest challenge I think you know even coming back to social media for us as adults yeah it's so easy to go they did this, they did that, their house looks like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, they've just made homemade cupcakes. And, <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I think, you know, if we could just build each other up mm-hmm. instead of tear each other down. Yes. You know, because if I snuff out your candle, it doesn't make my candle burn any brighter. Yes. And so yeah. I think if we can just encourage each other mm-hmm. and say, you're doing a great job. Yeah. You know, I, I'll often say to my friends, you know, They'll phone and go, oh, I've been such a terrible mother this day. I'll go, are they alive? Uh-huh. Did you feed them? Mm-hmm. Are they cleaner than they were a few, than, you know, before? Yeah. You're doing great. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got such high expectations. Yeah. You know, I remember I saw a quote somewhere and it was basically, you know, it was saying, 
Do we feed them sort of organic food? Do we do stimulating activities, but social activities? And do we develop their academic, you know? And our parents would say, oh, it's the summer, go outside. Yeah. You know, I think there's so much pressure on us yeah. to be the perfect mum and, and kids bounce. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're not, we don't have to wrap them up and we don't have to be scared mm-hmm. of raising them. Yeah. And I think aim for enough. Aim for enough. Did I love them enough? Did I feed them enough? Was it healthy enough? Are they clean enough? And I think it, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. Let's sell and and as well celebrate the fact we're all different. And we spoke yeah. about marriage and compromise because for I used the example of Scott's a saver, I'm a spender. Not yeah. not spender to the fact that I get in loads of debt. I'm quite good with money, yeah. but I think he's brugal with money. Yeah. And I was thinking, I really don't want the kids to grow up that's just saving and missing out. I want them to be a bit more um, spontaneous like me. Mm. But you challenged me and said, well, actually, it's really good they have a mix of yeah. both so they know mm-hmm. to perhaps save a bit, but then enjoy life too. Yeah, and that gives them the freedom to decide who they are. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a value with parents to providing a united front Yeah. so that you're not left in an you know endless situation of playing one parent off against the other if mom says one thing dad says it too yeah and so I guess it's behind closed doors settling on your compromise yes but sometimes it's about saying it's mom's turn this weekend Mm -hmm. to decide that we're going to an adventure park yeah and go out for lunch and we're and and coffee and dinner yeah (laughs) and then and that's fine and I think as kids get older, you involve them in the conversations. Yes. Because, you know, our premise has always been family as a team. Uh-huh. And so, you know, when they're younger, they need a bit more guidance from the team leaders. Yeah. But when they get older, it's back to the premise of helping them become independent. They need to be involved in the decisions. Yeah. And then they need to make the odd decision as yeah. well. And we all have to follow that. And if it goes completely belly up, well, it's a learning experience. Yeah. I love that. I love that. But that's just so, it's not a judgmental, as you're saying, it all comes back to it. judge less. I say this all yeah. the time, judge less, live more. I think most of the problems that pull us away from our mojo is when we yeah. judge people and we don't mm. compromise and celebrate yeah. our differences enough. I think it takes an enormous amount of energy yeah. to be judgmental as well. Oh, it drains you. If you just decided that for even for a day, you are not going to pass an opinion on anybody else. Oh, how much Imagine how time. much more energy you'd have to invest in what you were doing. Yeah, yeah. I think we have to be so careful with our words as well, you yeah. know. Because um, people can, just, and just think, you know. Yeah, um, I, yeah I just think this is, I'm, I'm loving this chat, by the way. <laughs> I, I'm just loving it. Freedom to be different as well. And uh, another thing we spoke about before is introverts versus extroverts oh and, yeah do you know you challenged me because I thought I thought I was an extrovert but I think I'm maybe a bit of both and when we put these beliefs and we, we pigeonhole ourselves as a certain mm. way but you were saying um so an extrovert would feed off people but then an introvert would need time to to be on their own yeah. in charge I feel a bit of both yeah and I think you know it's a sliding scale I don't think we always have to be one or the other I mean I think I think any sort of label or any sort of insight yeah. is really helpful mm-hmm. in as far as it gives us a bit more knowledge and self-awareness mm-hmm. but I think if we start and live according to that label mm-hmm. then we end up completely limiting ourselves okay. and boxing ourselves in mm-hmm. so for example I I know without a shadow of a doubt I'm an introvert mm-hmm. because I absolutely love people love working with people love socializing but at the same time when I'm really tired, I need to be on my own and I need nobody to speak to me. Mm-hmm. And my family have got used to that. Mm-hmm. If I'm in my bedroom and the door's shut, that is not an invitation to come in. <laughs> but would you be on social media or connecting with people in those quiet times or would you be, what would you be doing? Praying, well, reading? Well, let's be honest. In my family life, those family those times are about 10 minutes at a time. So I'm yeah. quite happy to just be still for those 10 minutes. Okay. But my if I've got really busy, if I've had a really busy week, mm-hmm. then come Saturday night, mm-hmm. I'd probably plan to be in. Okay. I wouldn't plan to be out. Yeah. 
because I just need to recharge personally, I need to read a book, mm -hmm. I need to watch a film, I just don't need any more social contact. Yeah, okay. But it doesn't mean that I'm shy and it doesn't mean I don't like people, it just means that when my battery runs low, mm -hmm. how I get my battery to recharge okay. is you know, alone time, a very quiet time, mm. a very meditative time. Whereas, for example, my daughter, who is, I've got two daughters, but my youngest is very, very extroverted. Mm -hmm. She can have a completely full-on week, mm -hmm. and then Saturday night, oh, I'll just go down to the club with all my pals wow. to unwind. Do you not think an extrovert would need that? Do you not think everyone needs that time on their own, though? Yeah, but then again, that's why I'm saying that the label can help with some insight. Okay. But, you know, because then sometimes she'll need time out and she'll be like, oh, I, I'm just feeling so introverted today. And right, I'm going, okay. no, actually, you're just being human. Uh -huh. <laughs> you're just burnt out. Right. But I think what helps is sometimes, you know that way where someone will phone you up and say, oh, Saturday night, I've got two tickets to a party. Do you fancy going? Mm -hmm. Now, an extrovert is probably more likely to go, excellent. Like, my husband's an extrovert. He'd be like, oh, yeah, brilliant. Mm -hmm. New people to meet, new conversations to have. Mm -hmm. That would be brilliant. Okay. As an introvert, I would rather sit and have dinner with six people and know everything about them by the end right. of the night. Okay. Small uh, talk uh -huh. is probably not my thing. Uh -huh. So a room full of people that I don't know no, right. is, is not probably my first social choice. But it doesn't mean that I'm shy and it doesn't mean I never do it. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah. It's just, and so it's about sometimes knowing a bit more about yourself. Mm -hmm. It'll, it, it allows yourself to be who you are. Yeah. Because there's no right or wrong. There's no right or wrong. You're hearing this, people? There's no <laughs> right or wrong. And sometimes extroverts can judge introverts and introverts can judge extroverts. So yeah. why are you not coming out? You social recluse, why are you not doing that? And it's just respecting each other yeah. and that we're all different and we yeah. don't have to do things through our act. People don't have to do exactly how we would do it. Yeah, and, and I think it comes back to the faith question as well. You know, yeah. people don't have to believe yeah. what people tell them to believe. Do you know, I think why those stats were so low as well is, as you're saying, the judgment. So people mm. say, this is my way and yeah. this is the truth. Now, at the end yeah. of the day, we can't prove that. Faith is so strong, but we yeah. cannot... We, we can't say I am 100% correct. It can be in our, our head, but yeah. we cannot never get in the head of someone else. And yeah. It's like uh, someone would see our colour differently. Or yeah, absolutely. We just need to start having a bit more respect for people. Yeah. Um, someone with depression, if they're low and in a pit, and you say, oh, you know, pull yourself together, you can never get into their head. Yeah. So more compassion, less judging equals much better module. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, you've said to me, you can't sing and I ain't going to judge because you, <laughs> listen, you have a voice and I would love if you'd sing with me. Um, I know you like All About You by McFly and Greatest Showman, so I see we do a wee bit of both when we be next. But um, Jo Lee from Buller Coaching, I think you're amazing. Um, please connect with our people, check out our groups and... Um, yeah keep tuning in thank you so much guys give us a rating if you enjoyed this and yeah here's to here's to mojo all the way brilliant you asked me something i thought you knew so i told you with a smile it's all about you then you whispered in my ear and you told me to Said you make my life worthwhile, it's all about you And I would answer all your wishes if you asked me to But if you deny me one of your kisses, don't know what I'd do so Hold me close and say three words like you used to do Dancing on the kitchen tiles It's all about you, girl Oh, the song I know, I used to sing it to my kids Oh, <laughs> Now they go, Mom, Mom, what are you doing? <laughs> but when they were little, they liked it 
And I would answer all your wishes If you asked me to But if you deny me one of your kisses Don't know what I'd do So hold me close and say three words like you used to do Dancing on the kitchen tiles Yes, you made my life worthwhile So I told you with a smile It's all about you It's all about you It's about you It's all about you, baby It's all about It's about you It's all about you, baby It's all about it's about you, it's all about you, baby. It's all about it's about you, it's all about you. It's all about you. And we're gonna do another one because I know how much this guy. <laughs> And Bonnie loves this one too, oh, actually. Oh, yeah, he can't beat a bit of Greatest Showman. Oh, this film is just... Oh, oh yeah. my days. I love it. Did you see my thing about crying at Bonnie's assembly? Oh, yeah. I was over the edge, and then he played that blooming oh, yeah. Million Dreams song. I was like, I cannot hope yeah. anymore. I was bawling. The head teacher must have been like, what is this girl? Right, let's do it. Hide away, they say, because we don't want your broken parts. Learn to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say, no one love you as you are. Won't let them bring me down to dust. I know that there's a place for us. For we're glorious. When the sharpest words gonna cut me down, I'm gonna send a flood, gonna drain them out. I am brave, I am bruised. I am who I'm meant to be, this is me. Look out, cause here I come. And I'm marching on to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen, I make no apologies, this is me. Oh, 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 oh.
She misses me around, play your guitar. Right. Sometimes I just want to kick her up the bum down the road very far. Right. 